0: Welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. The regular season is done. The A-League, oh actually that's a lie. The A-League women's regular season is almost done. We have one more game before finals but today's focus is very much on finals. I cannot believe we are here already. It has been both a marathon and a sprint simultaneously. I'm very tired. I think I speak for everyone on this Zoom that we are very tired, but we are also very, very excited about the football that has just been played and the football that is coming up. So before we get into that chat, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we are recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Today you have me, Marissa Lodanik, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian-Wilkes to take you through all the Dub goodness. We're going to try and keep it quick because we literally have finals football in only a couple of days' time. So we'll get things started as we usually do with some you'll love to see it. So, Angela, please, what did you love to see in this past week of
1: football? Uh, there, was, there was a lot of football. I thought we were at the, you know, getting to the end, but there's still so much that happened. If not more. But anyway, this week I love to see Holly Palmer score a sensational goal. Um, I believe it was her third of the season. And it's great. It like the build-up. It wasn't really build-up. So she sort of just like dispossessed Newcastle and then was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go all the way. And did this little scuttle, took a long-range shot. It was very Katrina Gory-esque, the kind of um finish on it from long range. Yeah. Uh great goal. That was actually Brisbane's fifth. Goal So Nui's one one goal in the fixture that happened at some point this past week. I could not tell you exactly when. Um, and yeah, great great finish for her. And she said post game that it was for her granddad who um, passed away the weekend before. So uh, I guess as well being able to to play and, and dealing with that and be able to pull off. Um, the result as well as um the finish as well that's very admirable um so yeah you love to see it also really appreciated in the interview um she was asked oh were you surprised by how clinical brisbane were she was just like nah and i was like good confidence it's good and this brisbane side that we're seeing right now they are oozing confidence it's kind of terrifying if it would be terrifying if they weren't already out of finals but anyway Holly Palmer, scoring a banger. You love to see it. We do love to see
0: it. And we do love that, as happens every season, there's one team that proves that if the season was a little bit longer, we would be having different conversations. And Brisbane is very much being that team at the moment. They've got one last game against Canberra. Wouldn't surprise me if they won it. But to be fair, Canberra has also been a bit a bit how you go in this back end of the season. So it should be a very good game. Not to be uh, a you-love-to-see-it repeater, but I am going to repeat my you-love-to-see-it from last week because she's only gone and done it again. Katie Zellum from Manchester United scored an Olympico against Manchester City in the FA Cup last time we recorded. I was like, wow, what a queen, amazing, such a rarity. And she's like, rarity, watch this, scores two Olympicos in a game. Same corner, same spot, floated into the far post. I, I, I don't know how she did it. It was part of Manchester United's 4-0 win over Leicester in the league. I don't know how you do that, and I don't know how you do that. She did it twice in three minutes and three times in two games. I just, my mind is blown. I loved it. Zolimpico's. we absolutely loved to see it. But Sam, what did you love to see this weekend?
2: I loved to see my beloved Sky Blues, Sydney FC, winning the 2021-22 A-League Women's Premiership. It's their second consecutive trophy and their fourth across the entire history of the competition, making them the most successful club. It's now their seventh trophy in addition to three championship trophies as well. They are officially the most successful club in the history of this competition. And the way that it came about was pretty glorious. It came through a 1-0 win over Adelaide United, who are also in ripping form. It's going to be such a fun final series. Can't wait to talk about it. But Paige Satchel, the Kiwi international, she scored the decisive one goal against Adelaide this past weekend. And it was so weird. It, was, it didn't feel like it should happen. She was running backwards and then all of a sudden she sort of pirouetted and just put her left foot, her weaker foot, threw the ball and the they the like the Adelaide players just parted like the Red Sea and the ball just flew into the far post into the corner and it was and you were just so stunned that this sort of thing had happened and all of a sudden that was the thing that decided this game and this trophy and this season for Sydney FC. So I'm so stoked. The players this team has been sensational for this entire campaign. They've been through so much as well. And I'm really glad for Paige Satchel that she has played a part in history because she's sort of been very, I think, underrated and underappreciated in the teams that she's played in so far in this competition. And so to have her do that and in a moment like this, I'm just, yeah, I'm stoked for her. I'm stoked for the club, I'm stoked for everyone involved. So Sydney FC winning the premiership. Love to see it.
0: The very Sam you love to see it. We can't pretend like it's not, but it was a great game. There were some rip snorting contests over this past weekend. We're going to focus on three in particular because they had the biggest kind of finals ramifications. So let's start exactly where you were, Sam, with the Sydney Adelaide game. It was, I think, there was a lot of hype around this because, for one, it had you know, kind of consequences for the final makeup of the table. And I think for from Adelaide's perspective, they had already locked in finals, but this was their kind of chance to make a statement heading into these games and be like, we're not here to make up numbers. We're here to, you know, kick ass and take names kind of thing. So Angela, do you want to start us off with some thoughts on this game?
1: Yeah, I, I felt like it was a pretty I don't know in the, in the middle of the park maybe a pretty even contest it was a very entertaining game as a neutral um a lot of chances for both sides but I think yeah Adelaide seemed a little bit scattered um in front of goal they just weren't as clinical as we know they can be and that sort of makes sense as well so Jade at one point General Wyman pulled off a fantastic save as well so I guess we'll definitely be focusing in on those kinds of things when we do our team in the season which would be a little way off because we've still got lots of season le- left um but yeah i don't and it is strange because sydney were probably the team you'd expect to be have a have a few more Jimmys rustled by the situation because obviously if they didn't win then they weren't going to get the number one spot city had done everything that they needed to do they'd held up their end of the bargain and it was down to just yeah literally like that about one goal for Paige Satchel so yeah I don't know it was very entertaining um but I think what I've learned this season is it there's no, it doesn't mean anything it, like I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> like again I wouldn't be surprised if like Sydney then lost to City or like Uh, do you know what I mean? Like anything can happen. Um, Yeah. uh, Yes. Very, very entertaining. Um, Very absorbing as well. But in in saying that I I obviously haven't taken away many sophisticated takes except both sides were great and it could have gone either way, but Sydney just have, they ooze confidence and I hate them for it, but they're, they're very good at what they do. And I think also the page satchel goal speaks to the depth that they have. Um, which has been a massive, I guess, has seen them through the season, I would say, and also to her individual improvement as well. I think she's definitely a massive improvement in terms of the way that she's been used in this team as well compared to Canberra because she obviously has ripping speed, but she's been utilised in a way that actually, I think, um, builds on that rather than just sort of zooming off into the distance with with nowhere to go. Anyway, so, yeah, it, it was Tense, I'm sure a tense one for the fans of these teams, but otherwise a, a, a great match.
2: I Sam, was terrified.
1: Yeah, I was, I was so be- nervous.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I Because, and also like this is the first game between these two sides all season. They hadn't played each other yet. So this was like, and because Sydney's title hopes were resting on this result, knowing that Melbourne City would obviously sweep past Melbourne, I mean, past Western Sydney, this, this was it. You know, there was a lot riding on this. And I think in the fifth minute, there was an opportunity that fell to Adelaide. I think it was uh, Rhianna Omiya in the box. And like Allie Green just completely air swung at a clearance and the ball fell to Omiya. She was near the penalty spot and she just, the whole, it was just like this cavernous space opening up that she could have slotted the ball anywhere, but she, shot right at Jada Wyman and she's and Wyman sort of fell on the ball and then and I was just like oh my god this is in the fifth minute is this what this whole game is going I don't know if my nerves can take it so it was a great game it was the game that I expected from these two sides and I'm really glad that even though Adelaide didn't sort of have to take anything from it they still threw a lot at that at that match you know I think they wanted to scare Sydney and I think that they did I think Sydney they really had to dig deep and figure out a lot of the um, challenges that Adelaide was posing to them because these are two I think quite similar sides in the way that they play and particularly in their fitness levels and their pressing and I don't really think outside of Melbourne City that Sydney has come up against a team quite like that just yet um, so I, it was a really good, yet another really good reminder for Sydney going into finals that they need to be on their toes because there are moments like that, where if that shot goes one foot in either direction, all of a sudden you're chasing the game. So yeah, it was, it was crazy. I think it was a, another fantastic performance by Mackenzie Hawksby. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of her and neither can Ante Juric. He is just so blown away with how much she's developed over the past two seasons as well as Charlotte McLean I, I interviewed him recently for a piece that's going to go up on ABC shortly about the premiership uh, team and how they've built this side over the past couple of years basically because this is a long-term project of the clubs and Avante urges. and he picked out Mackenzie Hawkesby and Charlotte McLean in particular and, and basically said they came effectively from nowhere you know, Mackenzie Hawksby was playing Rezies at Sydney Uni and Charlotte McLean was playing State League somewhere and he had written their names down on pieces of paper that, that he just sort of kept in a notebook. And he was shocked that no, one, no other clubs had noticed them and picked them up because now they are absolutely integral to this side. McLean has started every single game for Sydney and Mackenzie Hawksby is probably the most influential player in their season. You know, it's just extraordinary what happens when you give these players an opportunity and put them into a system and a style and surrounded by players who can get the best out of them. So yeah, I'm I'm I I loved this game. It was exactly the kind of game that I expected. Uh, it puts a new sort of spin on what's going to happen, I think, in finals because, as you said, Angela, anything could happen, and that's what's really exciting, but also really terrifying if you're actually invested in these teams about what's going to happen in the next three games. But it was, it was great for neutrals. It was great for the competition. Uh, and it was great for the two teams who showed that they can come up against one another and, you know, really give it a crack and it can fall either way.
0: I'm going to be really curious about Adelaide because I think, yes, they definitely showed a bit in this game, but I think also they would be slightly disappointed that they didn't show more. And I do wonder how much they're kind of boosted by the return of like an Anarko Sasaki who missed this game suspended. They've also had Paige Hayward and Emily Condon out injured for a few weeks now. And I think, you know, the midfield is better with Condon in it. And I think the front three, she's kind of been the, the third of the front three, but what Paige Hayward has been able to do in addition to your Chelsea Dorbers and your Fiona Wurtzers has been really important. So I'm curious if they come back into this side. Are we dealing with an even more lethal proposition? I would argue yes. So I'm I'm guessing a lot of Adelaide fans will be feeling a similar way, hoping that these teams or these players rather come back in time to kind of dismantle Melbourne Victory once again. But victory is a good segue to the absolute Friday frenzy that <laughs> it was it was stressful. We had two games happening simultaneously. It was very last day of the Premier League. It was unbelievable. We had Perth and Wellington playing at the exact same time as Melbourne Victory and Canberra. The equation was very, very simple. If Victory got at least a point, they were in finals, it was fine. But if Canberra could win and Perth could also win, then all of a sudden Perth were in the finals conversation and Victory were donezo. So... I don't know about you guys. I was commentating the game for SEN and I had the little Google live score pinned on my phone and I'm there watching the contest, trying to be a good commentator. And every now and then I'm just looking down at my phone and I'm like, internally, obviously not out loud, <gasps> birth have scored again, birth of scored again, and then have to put on my broadcast voice. And I'm like, we have another goal in the other game, bit exciting. So it was very, it was fun, but it was stressful. So we will talk about it, Angela. You were there, but Sam, give us some thoughts on these these games.
2: I don't know how Canberra did not win this game. It was the best performance by a long way from this Canberra side this season. And if you just look at the stats, it's like it twenty five shots to ten you know, it's just, it's baffling to me, particularly the final sort of 15, 20 minutes, Canberra were just wave after wave after wave. I, I don't know how Victory managed to survive this, um but it was yeah I mean tense and chaotic I think are the two words I would use to describe the game and with the score of the the Perth Wellington game as well sort of ticking over you sort of were like oh no this good and I was just I was I was so on the edge of my seat anticipating one of these several billion Canberra shots to finally go in the back of the net and then all of a sudden being like oh my god it's happened oh my god Perth are going to leapfrog victory they're going to get into finals oh my god what does it mean oh my god but it just didn't happen. And then it got into the stoppage time and I was like, surely, surely. It was like a kettle boiling. I was like, come on, this is good. Like, like someone, something's going to happen somewhere. And then the, the whistle went and then it was nil all. And it was sort of like a, just a bit of a flat sort of end because I was like, yeah, okay. But this was, this was how it was before the game started. And now we've just had this insane 90 minutes and now nothing has changed except Canberra are probably feeling even worse because that was an amazing performance by then and somehow they have still managed to not actually come away with the points that they probably deserved. So, yes, but that's, I mean, yeah, it's end of the dub season. We expect this kind of chaos, I think, at this point. So good on them for being on brand?
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a conflicting one for for me at the Angela Derby because it yeah it was nice to see camera playing well um but being completely transparent I was gunning for victory to do to win to do the thing um but yeah like really in in the second half it, it seemed like victory w- weren't <laughs> I think I just think about the end of the game like but the end of both of these games right because like when you watch the very end of the Perth, um, so the Wellington Perth match, Perth are like still energetic. They and they they look expectantly, they look, they look into the to the staff. They're like, did we, did we? And there's this moment with Tash Rigby, like you can see she's asking Alexa Parkas, and he must have said, like, no, Victory Camper Drew. And she's like, was disappointed, but I think not, it wasn't, she didn't seem hot broken but it was very much like Perth had put everything on the line whereas like victory definitely did the same but once the whistle went a whole bunch of players just sort of dropped where they stood and they were just I think it's the same thing that we've seen for the past couple of weeks they've just they're exhausted um and that again sort of came through in this game in in patches would like to know Casey Dumont bestie I thought I thought I thought you were gone I'm going to be real. When when you say the dizzy whistle, you assume that it's the worst. So I'm not really sure what the situation is there. Uh, a friend of the pod, Bonnie, said that apparently Casey said some very funny things while she was under the influence of the dizzy whistle. But I don't, it's a suspected broken leg and she's back. Miracle worker. Um, I thought, yeah, it was definitely a game of two keepers as well. I think Chloe Lincoln had a fantastic game. She's, which is all the more admirable when you think about like she's had a big job stepping up um to fill the boots of keely richards and there was one save in particular where i really think that she kept um canberra in it but for the most part yeah it was just all canberra and Michelle Heyman, she had so many one-on-ones um and i think maybe if she they'd had a little bit more of a um i guess ear- better earlier start of the season she would have been putting those away she would have practiced it by now and been a pro but um yeah and it was yes very stressful there was the moment with the goal that was called off because it went over Alex Chidiak's foot and I was sitting with a friend and friend of her friends of hers who are friends of Alex Chidiac yeah anyway it's dub everyone I, and we lost our minds and then yeah the music just cuts out and it's like oh oh dear oh this is very bad um yeah, very chaotic game. There were so many moments where it was like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, I'm glad victory made it through. But it was sort of like at the end, like I feel like they they may have been happy with a nap if they hadn't have made it through. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna be interesting, the the first or second semifinal, sorry, against Adelaide, because I don't know how much can they can transform in the space of a A week. It was also a very interesting tactical game as well, because obviously they they went into the the second half knowing that Perth were leading and that they only needed the draw. So it was that kind of balance of like attacking and trying to get the goal, but then also needing to defend. And there was, yeah, I feel like they didn't defend great. Canberra should have put some past them. But anyway.
0: That was the thing for me. Those Michelle Heyman chances in particular. I remember reading an interview with her and she basically was like, my goal scoring kind of, you know, to-do list is very simple. It's aim for the corners because the keeper's probably not there. And then she had three one-on-one chances where she's hit it straight at the goalkeeper. And I'm like, Michelle, have you forgotten your own excellent like kind of ethos? I don't I don't understand. It was really bamboozling because last season she's putting those away.
2: On that topic, there was a fascinating article in The Guardian last week about goalkeeping and about the way in which pundits talk about goalkeepers. And exactly in situations like this, where the the striker shoots the ball at the goalkeeper, often that is discussed or framed as, oh, the striker did poorly, they shot it right at the goalkeeper. But the goalkeeper has to decide to be there in the first instance, they could be anywhere else, but they have to be able to read the play enough that they get themselves in the way of that moment. So I don't think it's, it's a, it's a slight necessarily on Michelle Heyman. Like we know that she's a fantastic finisher and obviously she's the all time leading goal scorer. So we know that she is good at not doing this, but it's probably a credit to, to Casey Dumont as well for getting in the way for, for doing her job. She is probably one of the best, sort of one-on-one shot stoppers in that sense because she can read and predict what is going to happen and get herself in the way even though and that she makes it look easy and that's maybe why she doesn't get enough credit because it's she's just such a natural at it now so yeah i think we should like when we talk about those kinds of moments i reckon we should keep that sort of stuff in mind like goalkeepers are actually really smart and a lot of the stuff that they do to get themselves into those positions happens much earlier than what we think
0: No, I think it is a very good point. I think it's just Michelle Heyman's stocks are so high that you kind of, it almost takes precedence over goalkeepers are actually good at what they do, shockingly. But like I said, there were just so many chances. And the other thing was that the longer it stayed nil-nil and the more Canberra attacked, I saw it was like a time bar in front of me and I just saw... As we get closer to 90 and Canberra keep attacking, that's even less of a window than for victory to get back into it once Canberra inevitably score. Because of course they are. Look at them. I have eyes. I can see they're going to score. So it was just, you know, we kind of were ticking over 70, 75, 80. I'm like, but what, how, like, why hasn't anything happened yet? Victory are running out of time to get back into it. I had already put them on the back foot in, in, in my mind because. It looked like that's how it was going to go. I will say, though, Angela, you made or you brought up a really good point that I did want to touch on. Just again, the victory players looking tired. It was hot in Melbourne. It was a very, it was overcast, but it was 32 degrees, 90% humidity. It was not pleasant to sit and watch. So I can only imagine it was absolutely awful to run around in, let alone if you had just played you know, seven games in three weeks. Like it didn't, the conditions were unpleasant, particularly for a team that's just played as much football as Melbourne Victory has. And I had a chat to Alex Chidiak um, for an International Women's Day piece that you can go read on ESPN.com.au. But we had a little chat about the game and she was like, it was a really hard game. I, I felt myself focusing on my breathing and, you know, kind of trying to remember to breathe. Then on the actual football. She's like, we haven't basically, we've been just in recovery mode for three weeks now, because we haven't had the time to focus on anything else. And she mentioned as well that, you know, there's injuries, there's coming back after COVID. She's been very open that, you know, it took her a while to kind of get back into the swing of things after COVID. And Victory did have a relatively large COVID outbreak. So these players are already dealing with so much, coming back from COVID, heading into this absolutely hectic period of games, playing in these kinds of conditions. And it was just like a perfect storm of bad. So I I, I don't know how those players got through it. I don't know if nine days is enough for them to kind of, you know, rejuvenate and rest and come back into it. But I'm going to be very interested to see what does happen against Adelaide because... it's just going to be a fascinating contest. And as we know, that's the elimination final. So there are no second chances in that one. So it's going to be very, very interesting viewing.
1: I I just wanted to say my take is Sasha Grove, very good. Have been appreciating what she's been doing. Um, Melina Ayers, also another take. It's not a take. It's just reporting the facts. Melina Ayers got a couple of minutes in, which was nice um jeff hopkins spoke about that post game and sort of like you know you want to build up confidence and it can be really hard once you've been injured to do that and to get the minutes and just coming back from an injury is all kinds of levels of difficult so that was great to see um we'll be interested to see if she gets a run again um in in the final or Semi-final. What is it? Elimination final? I don't, I don't know. This is all I think screen. elimination or semi-final technically works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting to see. Um, should play then. And I had an, oh, yeah. Interestingly, we're talking about COVID. We were chatting about this earlier that, like, there hasn't been a whole lot of formal research to consolidate this, but um, it is pointing to the data that we currently have or we, not me, doctors and stuff they have that um, long COVID can be caused by like exerting yourself in the six weeks after you've had COVID. So it's not actually about what happens when you've got the spicy cough. It's like about what happens after in recovery. And obviously if you're an athlete, you're not taking six weeks off um, and you're not hanging out for six weeks And for a lot of these athletes as well, like, as I just said, the data isn't necessarily there to say that that's exactly what is happening, but it is something that might, I imagine, come onto the radar a little bit further along, but is a little bit stressful to consider now when you're looking at the likes of a Chidiac who's playing like a full 90. Um, And as Marissa rightly pointed out as well, six weeks, that's half the depth season. So there's like, how do you build back into form if you are, following what could be medical advice in the near future i don't know i would recommend to all listeners to just pay attention to people who know about this stuff though don't take that as fact but i just wanted to highlight it's an interesting thing to consider um in the space of professional sport anyway yeah it's a, i don't think victory are gonna win the elimination final but i am very proud that they're there good good for them they've done really well to get that far considering I mean, all of the teams have, but, like, just, yeah, it's been a season.
0: There is no denying that it has been a season of football with football matches from football teams, undeniably. But, like I said, we've got That's one- what they come to this podcast for. We provide, <laughs> we inform. Uh, so I, I went full, you're just going to bring me a birthday gift to my birthday party on my birthday with my birthday gift at my birthday party? Um, anyway, We've got one final regular season game. We will talk about that, as we said, once we review the season proper because it contains Brisbane and Canberra who won't be in finals. Instead, we will move forward and have a little look-see at the two finals coming up. So we start things off with Sydney and City. It's, It's huge. They're playing for a spot in the grand final, which is a decent incentive, I would say, to win a game of football. We've had some really interesting contests between these two sides as well. So, Sam, what are your kind of thoughts heading in? What's your maybe area of concern for both sides? What's what's stopping them getting into this grand final and what's getting them into this grand final?
2: Well, I mean, this is probably the most finely balanced, I guess, of the clashes because it really could fall either way. We've seen this season that both sides have defeated the other, uh, which has been... A, a really good demonstration I think of how in a lot of ways they kind of cancel each other out and games like this between sides that are across the park pretty even in terms of their talent, in terms of their style, in terms of their fitness, um, they, it all rests on little moments and little mistakes and that's what makes football so intriguing sometimes. Uh, I think the last game that these two teams played, uh, City really sort of started to hit their straps. I think they sort of took a little bit of time in the first couple of, se- of weeks of the season to sort of click and to figure out how it was that they wanted to play. But eventually once they got their rhythm, they were pretty much unstoppable. Um, I do think one of the biggest, and we have spoke about this the last couple of weeks as well, obviously one of the biggest Um, shortfalls for City now is the loss of Holly McNamara. She was so influential in so many ways, not just scoring and assisting goals, but in terms of breaking through lines, in terms of setting up other players, in terms of distracting the defence, in terms of doing all that sort of stuff as well. Uh, the status, perhaps, of Courtney Vine is a little bit of a question mark as well. She didn't play against Adelaide because she's got a little bit of a, I think, a calf problem um, or, or a hamstring problem. So whether she is going to make an appearance is potentially going to be a make or break as well. Um, but, like, across the across the park, both teams, like, they're, they're strong in every line. They're strong in every area and they have – two, I think, of the best and most dangerous midfielders in the whole competition in Hawksby and Rihanna Policina. And Policina really, really stepped up, I think, in the absence of McNamara and really provided that sort of creative flair that McNamara was providing um, alongside Hannah Wilkinson. So, and also like, I think we need to give a shout out to Caitlin Torpy as well. It's really underrated, but she has really come into her own this season. Now that she's been given more license to go forward and she plays as an attacker at MPL level. So I'm sort of surprised that she hasn't been used in this way very often in the past, but she has also stood up up and sort of filled in that Holy McNamara role um so yeah I'm like I'm it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a really really good game a really good game between two teams that are really well coached two teams that have really good solid young players who have nailed all of the basics of how to play football and two teams that have a handful of players who can make or break games you've got your vine and your princess Sabini you've got your Rihanna Policina and your Wilkinson and your torpy you know you've got these players who, in, in the space of a single second can decide a, a championship. So it's, I'm very, very scared because I'm always scared when Sydney are involved in any contest against a team that could potentially and have beaten them in the past. Um, but I think it's going, to be, it's going to be the kind of game that you want for something like this. You want both teams to be evenly matched and you want to be on the edge of your seat for every possible moment.
0: I was gonna say for me, it's it's Torpy stepping up that has been really impressive because I think Wilkinson and Policina were kind of already playing off each other. They needed that wide outlet to then get it into them so that they could do their kind of dance in the middle. So for me, it's it's Caitlin Torpy. She's really stood up in these last few weeks in McNamara's absence. But Angela, some thoughts on on this one? Mm,
1: I will say I think Sydney, as we've touched on, probably have had a better ha- have had better preparation um compared to City who so they played each other and then City played newy and then Western Sydney Wanderers who by the way City I asked you to beat them by more than five goals did I not so that Wellington wouldn't get the wooden spoon and yet you didn't do this for me so I'm off you Sydney Sydney for the win um and yet yeah, Sydney have had they played Adelaide and before that they played Perth who are not to be sniffed at. Um so it's I feel like coming into it, it could be a little bit of a surprise for City to kind of return to that level. I mean, but they did be, you know, it it's exciting. It's gonna, I think it's gonna be a pretty even contest. I will say that Sydney probably have the edge again in terms of depth. Um like McNamara McNamara was and continues to be a massive blow for city. I don't think it can be understated, but yeah, they, they have been able to recover. um, I think for the most part, and I will say, I think if Sydney score early, it's game over. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in city's ability to get back in. Um, So I think it could really come down to that. Whereas I think Sydney are more likely to be able to recover if actually, I'm not sure they haven't really had to do that that much this season, but I do think they've got the, um, the fitness and the, the calibre of players available to get back into the game if they were to concede early, whereas City have struggled a little bit with that this season. So, yeah, it should be very intriguing. Looking forward to it.
0: It'll be very good fun, as will our second semifinal, the elimination final. There are no second chances in this one, Adelaide and victory. That's another game where they've both beaten each other and, I was thinking about this before. The the difference between Victory's 5 1 dismantling of Adelaide in the first round versus Adelaide's 3 0 win over Victory later in the season. Polar opposites, like, could not be more different, not only in obviously the results, but just what was going on around those teams, who was available, how players were playing, like, just poles apart, absolutely ridiculously different but what are we expecting from this one Sam?
2: I reckon Adelaide are going to sweep it and we've sort of we've sort of discussed it it's because largely victory are just fucking exhausted and you can't really see a way of them being able to regain that kind of energy Uh, and also the kind of confidence because like these past couple of weeks are not just physically sapping but emotionally they must just be so draining and coming off the back of that game against Canberra, you know, I, I, I would expect that their confidence is is feeling pretty flat at the moment. Um, and Adelaide are just, they're on the opposite trajectory. They have been, they've gotten better and better and better as this season has gone on. And one of the big reasons for that is Fiona Wirtz, who, you know, shout out, won the golden boot, fantastic achievement for her. Um And she, you know, she scored the hat-trick against Melbourne Victory in that 3-0 win. So she's going to be, I think, key for Adelaide if they want to do the same thing. And if Melbourne Victory have any hope of getting through to the preliminary final, they you know, the, the thing about Adelaide now is that they have so many different prongs to their attack. Like, it's not just a single player because, like, yeah, Wurtz was the golden boot winner, but Chelsea Dorber wasn't far behind. And if you've got an Emily Condon coming back into the fold, then that adds just another layer of to their attack as well. Whereas Melbourne Victory's defence, you know, they're exhausted. They're not very deep in terms of players who can come in and replace just in case there's an injury. Having players like those three Adelaide weapons running at you, full of confidence, full of goals, absolutely clinical, I would be pretty scared. And Casey Dumont, you know, this, if this is going to be a game for her. This is going to be a moment for her to step up and really show what she's capable, to draw upon this decade-plus of experience and try and lead her team from the back because, uh, yeah, I just reckon it's going to be an absolute clinic from Adelaide. I agree, unfortunately. It's
1: yeah. That's it. That's yeah.
0: <laughs> I was thinking about Victory's defense, you know, the fact that they don't have the de- real sliding doors moment, obviously, Kayla Morrison's injury. If Victory have more defenders to call upon, call upon, do like Does Kayla Morrison's injury loom over this entire season as much as it does? I don't know. But I was thinking about Victory's defence in terms of Brooke Hendricks. So obviously the injury replacement has come in and it was basically like, hope you're ready to play some football. Hope you're bloody ready to play some football because here's seven games in 23 days. We saved half a season just for you. Literally, just like, you know, why do preseason for nwsl when you can literally play seven games in 23 days and she's had to play every single minute of every single one because victory literally don't have anyone
2: else to play in the heart of defense another very interesting absence on that note is Karakuni cross who got a oh yeah <laughs> a fourth yellow card in that game against canberra which means that she misses the semi-final against adelaide so there goes another player <laughs> So who comes in? You've got you've got a, a Melinda J Barbieri who I think offers quite a bit going forward. Obviously, doesn't replace Cooney Cross. Can't really do the wide attacking playing role that a Cooney Cross can do. I mean, if you're a big Jeff, where do you turn? Totally you know, ignorance really that. is
1: bliss. <laughs> you didn't need to remind us. <laughs>
0: No, I'm the same. I completely forgot that that was that was a th- oh, um, that's a big Jeff problem, not a me problem. Sorry to you, Jeff bestie. I don't know how you're gonna fix that one, but good not luck to monkey, you. Not my monkey, not my circus. <laughs> good, as my grandfather would say, uh, good luck to you. I say, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I like if if Jackson's back, then a Barbieri Chidiac Jackson midfield perfectly fine would work well could do the thing if no jackson um murphy has been yeah Yeah. i think she's again but it's a a barbieri Chidiac. those are your kind of locks there and then depending on who's fit oh boy what a fun thing to think about on this on this evening anyway so these two games Who's progressing through to the grand final and who's then playing in the prelim next week, Samantha?
2: I reckon Sydney will just edge Melbourne City. I think they've learned from the 2-1 loss that they faced last time. I think they'll go straight to the grand final. City will go through to the prelim and they'll play Adelaide.
0: Angela, same question. Copy and paste. (laughs) For a second I was like, which team is copy? Am I not down with what the dub, the, the new dub nicknames? I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it's a a straight three of the exact same answer. So let's move on to other things. A quick boot, thanks to I'm gonna claim her friend of the pod, Allie Green. She has been very vocal on Twitter and she should continue to say these things. The Western Sydney Melbourne City game was moved. It was meant to be a doubleheader and It was moved to the Wanderers' training ground, which we've spoken about before, a very nice little ground, but this game was originally meant to be played as part of a doubleheader with the men's game at Combank Stadium. And basically with the rain, it was decided that the game was good enough for, or the pitch rather, was good enough for one game. And of course... That was the men's game. It was a Sydney derby. How could it be anything else? And Ali Green has basically tweeted, time after time we see the women's game rescheduled and the men's game go ahead. I get the weather has been very damaging to sporting fields, but when will we see our leagues treated equally? Western Sydney v Wellington wasn't even broadcast. Now this? Say your shit, Ali Green. I think you've got three people who absolutely agree with you here. So a big boot. But let's do some how goods to finish this thing off because always nice to end on a positive note so Angela
1: how good? Divorced aren't energy once again for me um my how good is this is not even Australian football but um the football club that I followed as a kid and continue to follow long distance um St Albans City FC they hosted a her game two um round uh in in the fixture so i believe i can't even tell you what they're, they're like the fifth level of football in men's football in the uk if that helps anyone they're like they, you know it's like it's fun but it's it's not yet championship anyway so the fix the point of the fixture they're partnering with an organization that are aiming to raise awareness around the sexism that women face in accessing and being able to attend football. And so it was a really lovely moment, I think, because, yeah, having grown up, watch, watching the side and seeing the club get around it, um, that was really lovely. And my mum actually put me onto it because someone she used to be in running club with is was like one of the, the women who was the face of the campaign, which was real cute. And so she went from being a superstar runner to now um, getting around the Saints every weekend. So you'll love to see that. And uh, yeah, I think it's an important it's a continuing conversation. I think sometimes um, because women's football, like, it's just cosy, it's nice, and I don't have to think about these things, but I, I do really love attending men's football and as well, um, depending on the club. And, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done to make sure that football around the world is accessible and safe for women. So a really great initiative. Um, recommend folks check them out. And yeah, it's just a how good for me. It just gave me the warm fuzzies. Thank you, Saints. Good work. We love divorced aren't how goods. Sam, how good from
2: you? Yeah, speaking of accessibility, something that may have slipped under the radar when it was first softly announced when uh, the Matildas confirmed that they will be playing football ferns in Canberra on the 16th of April. There was a little tidbit of information down the bottom of the release saying that a dollar from every ticket will be going towards Football Australia's Women's Cerebral Palsy National Team program. And that's because on Monday, Football Australia announced that they have finally formalized the Para Matildas, their first ever women's CP team for women who have cerebral palsy or have suffered a stroke or from brain trauma. It's something that has been in the works for a number of years. I remember interviewing some of the players who were included in this all the way back when I was still writing for the Guardian a couple of years ago, only when they were starting to be included in the national championships at state level. So this has been a really big project, and it's also been a very quick one over the past couple of months now that things are starting to open up and funding is starting to be unlocked. So it's a fantastic moment for all of the women and girls out there who have a disability, who dream of being, of being a Matilda, of representing their country in football. They now have this these role models, this, this inaugural women's CP team, the para Matildas, who are going to be representing Australia at this year's World Cup in Spain. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to watch it. I hope that Channel 10 are able to broadcast it. If they are going to be the broadcaster of the national teams and they have an agreement with Football Australia, that would now include the Para Matildas as well as the Pararoos. Uh It's, yeah, it's just, it's an amazing moment. And it's a reminder that Football is, is so much more than just the, the elite, the pros, the senior Matildas, the FAWSL, the dub, you know, it, it means so much to so many other people in so many other kinds of ways. And the more that we are able to make football accessible, to make it flexible, to, to provide it in formats that allow more people to get involved, the bigger and better the game more generally is going to be. So Para Matildas, how good? Para I
0: cried like a baby watching the hype videos. I cried like a baby watching at the announcement Chloe Legazo was there with some of the players and their reactions. I think her name was Nicole. She was just like standing next to Chloe Legazo, like, pinch me, pinch me. I can't, I can't believe look at just a couple of Tillies hanging out. And that's what it is. And it is so absolutely wonderful. Speaking of That announcement, as you mentioned, did get kind of lost because we have Matilda's games coming up. So just a quick reminder of those games. We've got two games up against the football ferns. They'll be taking on New Zealand in Townsville and Canberra in the April FIFA window. So obviously we will be chatting about those once we get closer to those dates and after those two games. But just quickly, a how good from me, sticking with the the Trans-Tasman theme, Wellington Phoenix season is obviously done. I think they captured all of our hearts. Their two wins were just so exciting to watch. They brought so much joy. The way they went about it was unbelievable. The way the whole club kind of got around this team and watching this team develop from, you know, game one to game 14, you could see that they had improved so much. But now obviously, season's done. The majority of the squad has gone home some of the Instagram stories from players from New Zealand football not only welcoming the players back home so beautiful but of course there were a few Aussies in this team so there was a couple of very um almost rom-commy um snapchats through the glass of the bus window as the Kiwi girls left the Aussie girls who were all just standing there huddled in the rain like bye guys hopefully I'll see you next season I've, I've been a bit of an emotional mess this week as you can tell so I was absolutely sobbing but so excited that the Knicks girls are finally home. We know that they've had to do so much to get this season off and running and same deal with the Perth girls. Any of the girls that were from WA are hopefully back home now. So just how good at what they've done and now that they're finally home, I hope they kind of soak everything up and realise that they've they've done a really important thing here in getting this season off the ground and actually completed. So to the Knicks and to the glory, how good but that's that's us done this week we will have a bonus pod coming out very shortly with a special guest we're very excited about it so keep your eyes peeled for that one but until then you can find us on espn.com.au and the espn app we're on spotify apple and google you can leave a review and subscribe wherever you do listen if you want to chat to us we're at the far post pod on all social media but until next time, finals football. Let's go see us.